Hey guys, I'm Valerie. And I'm Jasmine, and this is Crafts, Drafts, and Crime. So today, the story that we are bringing you is actually in part an inspiration for what our next season is going to be. And we're not going to tell you what it is yet, but as we're talking about this case, I want you to pick up a couple of different things that are going on there, and you can start thinking about what maybe our next season is going to be about, because this infuriated me in many ways and it spiraled out of control like things always do with us and, and so <laughs> today we are going to be talking about debbie wolf the sources for this are unsolvedmysteries.com unsolved mysteries the tv show fateful observer national library of medicine via pubmev.gov article which was written by jay davis and dr maurice godwin now dr maurice godwin if you remember we did talk about a couple of episodes ago so i said that he was going to pop back up he was in our very first episode of the season and he is relevant in this case as well with his research so debbie wolf was born on june 19th 1957 in blytheville arkansas she moved with her mother, Jenny Edwards, and stepfather, John, to North Carolina when she was very young. Debbie wanted to become a nurse because helping people and being kind was important to her. She finished nursing school at age 26 and began working at the Veterans Hospital in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So on the day in question, Debbie was 28 years old and had been working at the hospital for two years. She was a responsible, hard worker, and she was also in charge of some volunteers at the hospital. So two of the vol male volunteers that she worked over had expressed interest in her, but Debbie actually had a boyfriend and only wanted a platonic friendship with the men. Both her family and her friends knew of this situation. So Debbie worked on Thursday, December 26th, 1985 until 4 p.m. As far as anyone knew, she went home after work to get some rest for her 8 a.m. shift the next day. But Debbie didn't show up on December 27th. And this was very atypical for Debbie. So a coworker called her phone, but she didn't answer. So Debbie's mom, Jenny, also hadn't heard from Debbie, even though she had tried calling her Thursday night. So by midday Friday, Jenny was concerned. And she's like, okay, why haven't I heard from my daughter? That's really weird. And so she tried calling the hospital to get a hold of Debbie. But when she did, she found out that Debbie didn't go to work that day. So Debbie lived alone in a cabin in an area that's just a couple minutes outside of Fayetteville in a pretty isolated area. So her cabin backed to a lake and had lots of tall pine trees and had no neighbors in sight. She was in a very private area. So Jenny, John, and family friend Kevin Gordon went over to Debbie's house when they realized that she hadn't gone to work. So when they arrived, a few things immediately seemed to miss to them. Debbie's dogs, Mason and Morgan, were outside. But they were outside dogs, so like at first, maybe not so weird. But they hadn't been fed, and they were really hungry, and they were acting like that. So the yard was also littered with beer cans, and it was something that Debbie didn't drink. And she absolutely would not litter in her yard. Like, she lived in this part of the country like in this isolated area because she liked nature not because she wanted to litter in it especially not in her own yard so inside of her car the seat the driver's seat was pushed pushed all the way back she actually would not have been able to reach the pedals she was only five three 
and her car was parked in a really weird way in her yard. So her family's immediately concerned. They're like, something's weird. Something's not right. So they tried the door, and they found it unlocked. Inside of the cabin, Jenny discovered Debbie's work clothes strewn about the kitchen floor as if they had been taken off in a hurry. And after searching the home, Kevin located Jenny's purse. It was underneath her bed, which is a place that nobody ever knew that she would put it because who puts their purse underneath their bed? So the weirdest part was a message on her answering machine of an unknown mail caller. He stated he was from the hospital and was wondering if she was doing okay because she had missed a few days of work. But Debbie's parents knew that Debbie had been at work the previous day and she'd only missed a few hours of her shift this morning. So like for somebody to call and say, you know, you've been missing a few days, like just checking on you, like she'd been gone for four hours. Why would you make that call? That doesn't make any right, sense. That's weird. Exactly. So Jenny was growing concerned and she contacted the police. But as you can anticipate, they told her they could not file a missing persons report until Debbie had been missing for three full days because there were no signs of foul play and she is an adult. So she's allowed to go missing if she wants to. It took five days for their investigation to actually begin. So during those days, Debbie's family searched the area surrounding Debbie's house, the woods in the area by the pond. So police brought bloodhounds in the area, but they did not pick up any scent of Debbie in the surrounding areas. And police didn't seem very concerned. And the pond was like no, had no obvious disruption. So they were like, okay, well, we're not concerned about that. But like Debbie's parents were infuriated. They're like, seriously, like we can't find Debbie and you guys aren't going to do anything. So they were mad that the police weren't even going to send a dive team into the pond. So Debbie's parents were obviously infuriated that police weren't going to do anything or send a dive team into the pond. So Jenny was like, you know what? I'm hiring my own diver. We're doing this on our own. And a friend of Kevin's, Gordon Childress, went with Kevin into the pond on January 1st of 1986. Kevin remained near the shore as Gordon swam around with his dive gear on. The water was super murky, but after just a few minutes, Gordon spotted something odd. Two sets of footprints and drag marks inside of the thick mud near the base of the pond. So he followed the tracks on the bottom of the pond until he nearly collided with a foot less than 20 minutes later. So from what he could tell in the murky water... There was a body, head first, sticking out of a 55-gallon oil drum barrel with holes in it. He was only 30 feet into the pond in a spot that was about 5 feet deep. So they, you know, he got out, they called police, and the body was removed from the water by the police dive team, who now showed up and was positively ID'd as Debbie Wolf. So she was sent out for an autopsy. There were no drugs and no alcohol in her system. The coroner also stated that there were no signs of foul play and ruled her cause of death drowning, but her manner of death was undetermined. Here's the thing about that. Only half a teaspoon of water was found in Debbie's upper bronchial area. She had no froth or foam coming from her airways, something that most certainly would have happened if she had drowned. 
So according to Davis's article in the National Library of Medicine, people who drown will have this froth or foam externally or display itself internally in the bronchioles. So typically people who drown have their mouths open and their arms extended, though not always. And Debbie looked really relaxed, not like someone who had drowned to death. Her eyes and her mouth were closed and her arms were relaxed. So on the contrary, people who are deceased before being submerged in water have more relaxed arms and legs and they don't have the froth, right? Yeah. So her physically what they saw in the autopsy was a little bit more consistent with her being deceased and then put into the water. But that's neither here nor there yet. Weirdest of all, she was not dirty. Even a little bit. Now, Gordon and Kevin, who had been in the water to look for Debbie, were covered in mud and silt from their 20 minutes in the water. And the police dive team who went to get her out were covered in mud. The water was very murky and very muddy. So how would Debbie have been able to get there with not a single speck of mud on her in the water? She was so clean. And I wasn't able to access her actual autopsy report, and therefore I cannot speak directly from it. But from my other findings in the literature, it seems as though she was placed in the water after her death, if you ask me. But police determined her manner of death to be accidental. Police theorized that Debbie was chasing her dogs around the yard and accidentally fell into the water and drowned. They also speculated that she had perhaps had immersion syndrome, which is also known as trench foot. So it's like when one of your extremities becomes numb and blistered and it hinders your ability to like get out of whatever situation. So it would have hindered her from getting out of the pond. So mm. her body showed no evidence of this. Right. But she did have unexplained abrasions on her fingers that the coroner and police insisted were not indicative of defensive wounds. So police stated that they would return the next day to collect the barrel from the pond because Debbie was removed from the pond, but that barrel was not. Now, Jenny actually recognized that the barrel was more than likely the one that had actually previously been in Debbie's yard. She had one that had been there and used for target practice. So the barrel had holes in it because she shot it. And it was just like the one that was described by Gordon, who, mind you, Gordon did not know Debbie. So Gordon did not know to, you know, that there was potentially a barrel that was in her yard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there was another policeman, too, who had been under the water when they removed Debbie from the pond, who said that that's what it looked like. Additionally, this same barrel was missing from her yard. And there was an indent in the grass from where she normally had it. So, like, very obviously there had been a barrel, now it's in the water, right? Right. Well, the next day, when police came back for the barrel, they couldn't find it. They drained a few feet of water out of the pond, and there was no barrel. And then, <laughs> the strangest thing of all happened. Police claimed that no barrel ever existed. So, Gordon... Shut the fuck up. I am not making that up. It is the most frustrating thing in the world. So Gordon, who retrieved Debbie's body from the barrel, was completely dumbfounded. He's like, no, I'm 100% positive of what I saw. But the barrel's not there. And police, and mind you, another police officer had also said that he saw it. 
but police were claiming that no barrel had ever existed. So they said that the jacket that Debbie was wearing while she was inside there was puffed up from a water, which made it appear as if she was inside of something. I realize that's ridiculous and that that makes no sense. Even if your jacket is puffed up, it does not resemble a barrel. Also, we're talking about a 55-gallon oil drum barrel. Like, those are distinctive. You cannot mistake one of those for a jacket that's puffed up in the water. It's completely different. So, in addition, they also had the other police officer, right, that said that the day the body was found, he said on camera, by the way, that they saw a barrel. But this officer and Gordon's claims were refuted. The rest of the investigation team was like, no, it's not here. Like, there was never a barrel. You guys thought you saw a barrel. It doesn't exist. So police identified the potential man from the voicemail because friends and family knew of an admirer of Debbie's who she only sought a platonic friendship with. Remember those men from the volunteers at the hospital? Yes. So one of the man one of the men was questioned and he provided an alibi and he refused a polygraph and left town. Okay. Well, police had no reason to further question him or anyone else because they also had determined it was an accidental drowning, not a homicide. So they had no reason to continue this investigation. Sure. So a while later, Jenny received the clothes that Debbie had been wearing the day that she was found in the pond. But when she did, it confused her even more than she already had been. In the box of the clothes that she was given from the police station was a Pittsburgh Steelers shirt, tennis shoes, and pants, all of which were way too large for her and her family had never seen before. The bra that she had had on was a 38C, but she wore a 34B. The sh- the and those, like, I know that you can switch between your bra sizes a little bit, but not between a 38C and a 34B. That's not how right. that works. You can go maybe to a 36D or a 40B, but not to a 34B. That literally doesn't make sense. Your uh-huh. waist cannot be 38 inches and 34 inches. It just can't. The shoes were a men's size 6, but she wore a women's size 7. So a men's shoe size 6 is comparable to a woman's shoe size 8. So, just for reference. These shoes were white and had no mud on them. Do I need to remind you how disgusting the pond was? She was also wearing a jacket that none of them had ever seen before and was a men's size small. So, police claimed that they have a picture of her from before her death with the tennis shoes on. Which, okay, fine. Even if that is, even if that is true, what about the rest of the clothes? Like, regardless of the situation, having her in these strange clothes does not make any sense. And these clothes that do not fit her. Why is she in them? I don't care what happened to her. Why is she in these clothes? So, I want to talk about a couple theories um, before continuing on. So, I want to talk about those footprints. Remember how I said that he found two sets of footprints? So, it could mean that two people were involved, but it could also mean that somebody went into the water pushed her into it with the barrel, came up, saw that, you know, the barrel's still visible because the pond at the deepest was like five and a half feet or thought it was too close to the edge or whatever and went back and pushed it further. It could have been that like one set was going into the water and one set was exiting the water or that somebody went in twice or it could mean there was two people. So it's like the least helpful thing in the world, but at least 
to me, it's indicative of somebody had walked in there. And it couldn't have been her. She's wearing clean-ass shoes. So, okay. Um, the person on the voicemail, I believe, is involved. And was trying to make it seem as if Debbie had been not coming to work. And perhaps is in a bad place, potentially insinuating she could have been suicidal. I just, that phone call is just so weird. Um, I also was thinking that maybe somebody had been at Debbie's house while she was at work, which would explain the empty beer cans in the yard. Or maybe she had even invited somebody over, like one of the volunteers, and tried to be friendly with her. And they snapped when she refused to have relations with them. But I couldn't find any report of, like, what kind of dogs Debbie had. But perhaps she willingly let someone into her home and spoke with someone outside of the home. And therefore the dogs were not on high alert. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because if they were outdoor dogs, they were potentially already tied up when this other person arrived. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I feel like when I was reading a couple of different things that people had said about this case on Reddit, people were suggesting, you know, that the dogs, like, why wouldn't they have attacked? I'm like, well, maybe they couldn't. <laughs> or maybe she let them in. You know what I mean? And they were fine. Whoever this person was. People were. Um, I also think it's possible that somebody was stalking her and they may have even drank the beer in her yard after murdering her. So Dr. Godwin stated that he has a current investigation going on and suggests that there is potential semen samples from Debbie's body. No other reports of sexual assault have been reported prior to this. And there's also no further information on that as of this moment. But I think that that is huge because, well, first of all, it could just be her boyfriend. But what if it's not? What if she was sexually assaulted? That changes everything, especially because they're listing this as an accident. And what's so frustrating about this case is there's so many inconsistencies between the police and Debbie's friends and family. And it seems like the police did a really botched job. Because from what I can tell, beer cans from the scene were not collected to test in the future. So, like... With DNA getting better and better and better, there's no cans to get the DNA off of. They didn't take any. But most irritating is how the police did not address several pieces of the case that don't make sense. Like the weird clothing on Debbie's body or the abrasions on her fingers. And it seems like accidental drowning fit their narrative and they ended it there without even considering a homicide. Yeah, I just... It's all really weird, and it kind of reminds me, even though I told you about it, um, kind of reminds me of this movie, I Spit on Your Grave, if anybody else has seen it. It's a pretty good movie, but, it, I mean, obviously, it, it ends different than this. But basically, this it's a writer, she goes away to a cabin in this small-ass town, and there's a she stops at a grocery store at a gas station. There's a group of guys who see her, they like her, they try to flirt with her, and she's like, no, no, thank you. Like, she's nice, she's not an asshole about it, like, denying them, and then they find out where she's staying at, and they basically go, and, you know, they, they rape her, and, you know, beat her up and stuff, and she ends up escaping, and she runs into a cop and she, it's the sheriff and she's thinking oh my god thank you you're gonna save me and no he's in cahoots with these other people oh my god and basically it's just a it's a, it's a like torture thing basically with her um but 
yeah, it's just the cops, like, for them to be doing everything they can to make this not go the right way really bothers me. Right. So I'm kind of getting, like, vibes where they're kind of trying to cover something up, like they might know who's involved. Especially with the barrel. Especially with the barrel. That's the biggest thing to me. I don't get it. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you didn't want to, you were, from the beginning, you were difficult. So, and then they had to wait the three days before they could start searching. Then you didn't want to search the pond because it looked like it wasn't disturbed. Like, they just did a half-assed job of doing their job. The one thing that they're supposed to do is be able to investigate. Right. And they did a terrible job about it. And then they, they're just really sketchy. Right. From day one, they decided this was not a homicide. Like, from the day that she went missing, they decided that this is not important and this is not a homicide. And it's so funny because we see such drastic differences. And right now, we're only talking about North Carolina cases. And in other cases, in Fayetteville area, we've talked about how immediately good of a job that police have done. And then you get into a case like this, and I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like, why were they just like, no, you know what, this Debbie girl, 28 years old, female, uh, she probably, you know, just wandered into the pond and it just didn't work out for her. Like, what? How did she end up in a fucking barrel? What do you mean? They're like, oh, all the beer cans, she probably partied too hard. And then there she went and she fell into the pond and couldn't swim because she was too wasted. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. And then to be like so certain on that, that you are not going to take any DNA off the beer cans or do any kind of testing, even though there's so much of it available. And it's so irritating too, just because, I mean, just because I can't read the autopsy report, which I wish I could. I so wish I could. Because with the articles I was reading about the scientific ways, how it, you know, how you are when you drown, kind of like I glazed over in this episode, it doesn't match up with how she seems. And I would like to know if there are other things in the autopsy report that made it seem like, no, this really was a drowning as her cause of death. Because to me, I'm not convinced I really don't think she died in that pond. I really think she was brought there afterwards, which makes perfect sense of the barrel also. Because if you're going to drown somebody, you really don't need to put them in a barrel. I guess the point of that would be probably to hold them down. But even so, I just thought that was really odd. And I have so many questions and they're not even trying to touch it. And I can't imagine what it's like for her family. And this happens a lot in cases like this. And it's very irritating that like, Police don't listen to victims' families. Like, I understand that you can't assume everything a family says is true. Like, for example, somebody saying, oh, like, oh, my daughter would never do drugs, like, isn't necessarily a fair assessment. As, you know, certain people aren't going to necessarily tell their family that they're doing drugs. You know what I mean? But when things like this happen where the victim is wearing a bra three sizes too big and can't reach the pedals in the car based on their size are completely ignored... Like, or, you know, that Debbie's purse was underneath her bed and she has a barrel missing from her, you know, from her yard that was found in this pond where she was inside of. Like, those are things that the police need to be listening to the family about. Those are things that they completely ignored. And Right, or the blatant disregard for the fact that one of their own did a public interview saying that she was found in a fucking barrel and now they're saying there's not a barrel what the fuck and actually let's we haven't even touched on that what do you think happened to the barrel 
because the barrel was there, right? I'm I'm 100% convinced that the barrel was there. I don't think, you know, even if the family wanted to, you know, because people have said that. People have, you know, said that, okay, well, you know, maybe the family is trying to, you know, make it seem like this couldn't have been an accident. It has to be a homicide. And therefore, this barrel is so important because it makes it seem like, of course, something bad happened. Okay, but what about the police officer who said it? Like, okay, right. explain why would, that. Why, why would he go with the family about if it wasn't there? Like, my, my, <laughs> makes me so mad. I know why you're mad and why you were so pissed at this case. Why? Right. This is just, why? Why? I don't understand. Like, I believe the barrel was there. Because once again, like this office, the police officer had no reason to make it up to what like why would he do that to console the family or make them feel good no at right. the end of the day like you have to be you have to do your job and clearly the rest of his people weren't doing that but i think that after everybody left for the night after they searched and found her and all that stuff i feel like somebody was made to go get rid of the barrel and maybe they they didn't throw it in the pond they were actually unfortunately smarter and they discarded it somewhere else that could be but why just so you don't have to do a further investigation that's so lazy like why would you do that so at first I, i you know was still thinking like the movie like you know they knew who they they have an idea of who it was like maybe this happened before or something like maybe they kind of realized what was going on and they were they knew the person so they were trying to help cover it up or they realized how much they fucked up and they didn't want anything else to prove furthermore how much of a shitty job they did and how lazy they were but at this point they, they could have still saved their asses with that they could have been like okay well we weren't really on top of the ball but now we can do a thorough investigation and what they did instead was the complete opposite and that's how we end up here 36 years later with a cold case that police don't even consider to be a cold case and a victim who has no justice and i'm not saying it's impossible that debbie wasn't murdered i'm not saying it's impossible that she accidentally drowned but i am saying that she deserved and still deserves actually an actual investigation into her suspicious death absolutely like what the fuck what happened to this barrel how is this not being investigated? How are we just going with, oh, it's an accidental drowning? And, you know, originally the coroner said the manner of death was undetermined. And then, you know, with police influence got changed to accident. It's like, okay, but we didn't rule out the possibility of a homicide. So how are we now saying that it's an accident when nothing else fits that narrative? So it's infuriating. And I can't even imagine what her family must have felt like during that time. Not having any answers, having all of these confusing things. Can you imagine finding out that your daughter was in a pond, in a barrel that people are saying doesn't exist, in clothes that are way too big for her body, and nobody does anything? That I cannot imagine that because I'd be raising all kinds of hell. I'd be alerting everybody and their mother. I don't care. Right. And her family did, they did what they could do. Her family very much tried to fight for answers, but you can only do so much when nobody is on your side. Absolutely. And you can only do so much when you're going against the cops, against the law. Exactly. Like there's, there's not much you can do. And they already made up their mind. 
But so this, let us know what you think. I 100% think that this was a homicide. I have not even a speck of a doubt in my mind. I don't think it's impossible, like I said. But I am very convinced myself that this was a homicide. And I have no idea why the investigation went this direction. And I think it's bullshit. And it pisses me off. And I feel so bad for Debbie. I agree with you. I think it was a homicide. I think we're dealing with some dirty, lazy cops. And, uh, yeah, I hope we get justice for her. I know it's been, you said 38 years? 36, yep. 36, yeah. Like, it, it's it been a long time. Like, longer than we've been born. Right. Or alive. So, and, like, yeah, I just, I... I hate this. Like it, it really pissed me off this though. Because I just like the audacity of these people not to do their fucking job. And the worst part is too is like there's no tip line specifically for this. There's no nothing because it's not an investigated case. There's no evidence that has been saved in this case. Like this is this is very much just a been brushed under the rug and there's like unless somebody comes forward this will never be solved right i i do hope that something comes out of the semen i hope so too i don't know i can't find any more information on it if anything ever does come up i will let you all know and i hope that i hope that something does because it's absolutely insane but so start thinking about what you think next season's going to be about because (laughs) it's it's not botched police investigations per se i know it's probably where everybody's gonna go first but it's not not that so (laughs) start thinking about that um you can find pictures from this episode on our instagram at crimes drafts and crime you can find the episode updates on our facebook at crimes drafts and crime you can follow us on twitter at Crafts and crime. You can send us an email with your opinions, with your stories, with anything you want at craftsdressingcrime at gmail.com. If you use Apple, please rate and review us. And if you want to follow us on Patreon for some bonus episodes, you can do that at craftsdressingcrime. And keep listening. <laughs> That's what we want the most. So thank you guys so yes. much for coming week after week and listening to us. We appreciate it. Until next time. Bye. Bye.